Hello, disruptors, innovators, and supply chain enthusiasts. I'm Lee Allison. And I'm Tara Vanetta. Welcome to AI and Supply, empowering change through disruptive innovation. The podcast where we'll unravel the untold stories behind the fusion of artificial intelligence and the supply chain. So buckle up, disruptors. The future of industrial distribution is now, and you're at the forefront. Get ready for AI and Supply. Empowering change through disruptive innovation. Let's get this journey going. Hi, everyone. This is Tara back again with another episode of AI and Supply. Today is Friday, and that means Friday FAQs. We wanted to take a moment and introduce a special guest that will be featured throughout this podcast. It is my very own daughter, Juju who you can hear throughout the podcast enjoying herself and talking with us about AI. It may not be clear, but we wanted to tell you that it is there. So if you hear some disruption in the noise or voiceover, that is why. We hope you have a great Friday and enjoy listening to the podcast. Thanks. Hello, everyone. This is AI and Supply with Tara Bonetta and... Allison. Hello, everyone. Hi, and we are so glad you guys are here with us today on this Friday FAQ episode. We are going to be talking about some very interesting concepts and ideas and some current things that are happening in AI uh, that we feel like you guys are going to benefit from. And hopefully we bring some awareness to some things that are going on or going to happen in the future that you may not be aware of. So We're going to talk about four main types of artificial intelligence first and maybe see what's coming up uh, in the future. Well, great, Tara. Let's get started. I'm super excited about this. You know, you don't have to be an expert on AI to use AI. It probably helps if you have some basic understanding and that would allow you to possibly escape some of the Monday mishaps that we went over. So if you're going to implement a chatbot, be sure that uh, it's tested first, things like that. So you do want to have some information about AI. Uh, You don't need to know all of the programming and all of those kinds of things or exactly how it works. But we thought maybe you would like to know just some of the basics about some of the terms that get bandied about when people are talking about AI. So I'm sure you've read them Uh, you've all read or been exposed to them in the news or uh, in your reading and things like that. So we thought we would just touch on that because we um, just thought that maybe you would find it interesting. And so let's get started. You know, Tara, there's a book called Our Last Invention. Have you heard of that? I have. I have heard of that one, Lee. Some people think that super intelligent AI could be our last invention. Do you think so? I don't know if I believe all the hype. I'm not yeah. sure I believe that. I feel like the human nature is to to say that and then come up with something else the next week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's a lot of hype in the AI space. I agree with you 100%. So um, the idea, though, that uh, some of these proponents uh, suggest is that uh, some types of AI may be so sophisticated that it can create new AI entities that have even greater intelligence 
than the first hum human-made invention and that this could go on into perpetuity and that these entities would surpass human intelligence and superhuman achievements. Well, how close are we to getting that superhuman AI that surpasses all of us? Well, the good news is not very close. But you know, they're working on it. And, I feel like that needs some laughter too because, <laughs> yeah, AI is, is a scary place sometimes. And I feel like that could be a little scary to some. So we'll make it light. And I should also hot tip this author of this planner paper, uh, Alexander S. Gillis, technical writer and editor, as well as David Peterson. And we'll put a link to this in the show notes published on the 7th of August in 2023. Okay, so as we say, we don't really think they're too close to that. So let's talk about the kinds of AI that we do have and that are being commonly used. So the ones that we've talked the most about on this program are generative AI programs like ChatGPT. And they have definitely created a lot of buzz and are doing incredible things. They are able to create and write text, compose poems, write entire novels. Uh, it's amazing. They can create images uh, based on your specific instructions and they can create music and audio very sophisticated music in the style uh, that you request so similar to how you can ask dolly to create an image you can do the same thing with the audio ai and arguably these creations through the AI are indistinguishable from human-made content. Um, now, many people are excited about this, but generative AI is already criticized for not crediting its source data. And we briefly spoke about the lawsuit that's ongoing with the New York Times and OpenAI related to content use. Yep. I think that's because um, you can't really decipher between the two. We discussed that as well. You can't tell what a chatbot has written and what a human has written. And how do you tell that there is a stylistic difference? Um, which is something I think even in, in the outside circles of maybe journalism, people are really discussing, um, especially in academia, how do you know what a student is submitting is their work and not the work of AI technology if it's not cited. So I think there will be some challenges with that. I'm glad to see that this article highlighted that and really talked about the difference between different types of AI and how they're used. One thing that I heard you say was that the ChatGDP and those types of programs are actually the most widely used, but they're also um, very basic. So the fact that there is something above that, that it keeps growing is really interesting to me. I know that, and correct me if I'm wrong, these are kind of more reactive to present data, but they don't have a lot of memory. Like they're not withholding like we would ourselves memories and information from the past. They're not, that's not readily available to them. They can't create new memories. It's, it's very limited in what they can actually do. Is that yes. right? Yes, so you're getting to the, so I would say ChatGPT is on the second level. Let's start with the first level. 
And so basically we're going to, in this podcast episode, we're going to define the four main types of AI based on their functionality. And so the first two types that we're going to discuss belong to a category known as narrow AI. And that's what you're referencing, Tara. So AI that's trained to perform a specific or limited range of tasks. And these two types um, are quite common. Yes, I feel I could see that. I feel like a lot of people use that type of AI. um, And we've talked about it and highlighted it multiple times in our podcast thus far. That's something that most of us know how to do, right? Yes, that's what we're dealing with for the most part, all the time. However, there are two other types, and this article says that they have yet to be achieved, and these belong to a category that is sometimes called strong AI. Let's start with the first two that we're more familiar with. So the first is the one that you mentioned, reactive AI. Here, this is like narrow AI. It's reactive algorithms that operate only on present data, and they are quite limited in terms of their capabilities. Now, this type of AI doesn't have any specific functional memory, so it can't use any kind of previous or past experience to inform its present and future actions. And that's the case with most of the machine learning models and many of the AI forms. And these models are based on statistical math. And so the models can consider huge chunks of data And they seem to produce a seemingly intelligent output, but it's just really, it's primarily pattern recognition is what's going on with the models. Very interesting. I wonder if that's, you know, when I was talking about the inputs and creating those spreadsheets, if that's part of why it works so well, that way of using uh, the AI, because it is recognizing the patterns and what inputs it's getting. So um, very interesting, and you definitely open my eyes. I hope our our listeners' eyes as well to a new type of way of thinking of how this yeah. works. It's just a framework, a framework for how we can understand what's going on in this situation. You know, again, they're quite limited in what they can do, but it's this kind of AI that we're used to using, and it's this kind of AI that was able to defeat the chess grandmaster Gary Kasparov in 1997. And so that was really a breakthrough once the AI was able to start beating humans at chess. This breakthrough and then also the ability, uh, another game that AI was able to outdo humans was AlphaGo. And so these are really like watershed marks in the development of this kind of technology. But as we say, AI is extremely limited when it's reactive AI. Many of our human actions are not reactive. So we might not have all the information that we need, and yet we can use our history, our past, our experience, and we can still predict something that's unexpected, or we can make plans for it using our um, past information and things like that. And so it's a little bit different in this sense with the reactive AI. Now, We also have what's called limited memory machines and limited memory based AI can store data from past experiences, at least temporarily. Deep learning dramatically improves AI's image recognition capabilities. And so that's really where we are with like Dolly 4 today. 
And so these models are better at absorbing characteristics of training data, and they are continually improving over time. That's why I think it was in November of last year, we got the first version of ChatGPT, and then next we got uh, another, and now we're on 3.5, and we're waiting for 4.0, and 4 they said yeah. 4.0 turbo. Yeah. So there's a lot of skyrocket progress right through. It's going so much faster than the car, the bicycle. We're not reinventing the wheel. I feel like this is really showing how quickly the world is going to have to adjust and the industry is going to have to adjust to meet the technology that's happening to be able to use it. I wonder if we're, we're going to plateau for a little bit though. That's something that, uh, is, is in the back of my mind. I don't know if it's in the back of anybody else's mind or a listener's mind, but I feel like we can only go so fast so quick before we're going to hit a little bit of a rocky patch, I think. Yeah, so maybe you think that we're going to have like another AI winter, right? Where we didn't have much progress like in the 70s, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think that Elon and... And then if you look at the founders of Anthropic, their concerns that they're expressing is that we're moving too fast. So it's hard to say, but things are moving quickly. How how quick and how far can we go? That's the question. And that get, brings us to the other two types of models. So the third type of model is called the theory of mind. And this refers to AI's ability to attribute mental states to other entities. And so you, <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a big word right there. A big statement. Absolutely. Could you mind capability and mental states to other entities? So what does that mean? Can we put that in layman's terms for our, for our listeners out there? Well, the term is derived from psychology and it requires the AI to infer the motives and intents of entities. In other words, it is they the AI needs to infer the beliefs or the emotions or the goals of other entities. Wow, and that's a. I think that might be scary for some of our listeners. It's a little scary to me. Yeah, is there anything comforting about the situation that we we can well, discuss? I I think that you know when when ChatGPT first rolled out, there were reports of people and there actually is a google researcher who has gained some press talking about his experience in trying to develop this kind of intelligence and so he has uh, shown some of the conversations that he's had with the ai and it definitely does give the sense that there's some kind of sentience, you know, coming from the AI, uh, that the AI not only can infer emotion, but also seems to have its own emotion. And so it's interesting. I'm not really sure what to make of it. In theory, theory of mind does not exist at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Which might not be such a bad thing. Yes. Uh, I so, think it might be helpful in the future but i think right now i don't know if if human and humanity is humans i should say and humanity is quite yeah, ready for that i think that might be a little hard a little fast 
a little much. It might right be now. too much. Yes, for some of us. But this is Emotion AI, and it aims to recognize, simulate, monitor, and respond appropriately to human emotion by analyzing voice, image, and other kinds of data, according to these authors. And certainly, such capabilities could be useful. You can imagine situations where they would be useful. Customer service, customers definitely want people to understand their needs and things like that. Also, we talked about cancer diagnosis and things like that. So showing empathy to humans would be very useful. However, as it's currently the state of affairs, it seems that this is something that AI does not have the ability to do at this time. And then if we moved one step further in this framework, the last the last one or the fourth category of AI would be self-aware AI. And so here, these types of AI would be on a par with human intelligence. They could mimic emotions, desires, and needs, and also be self-aware. And, uh, you know, we often say that some of our fellow uh, travelers here on the earth maybe lack a little bit of being self-aware. They don't have self-awareness. 100%. Uh, currently, currently, our AI doesn't either. Maybe we would like to keep it that way. I'm not sure. but I don't know. I, I think this is an interesting concept because, you know, the first one is just trying to have emotion, trying to have empathy, trying to understand what it is to be the in-between, right, of humanity and technology. I think that this one is is beyond that, where it's actually aware and it is another, I hate to say it, but almost life form here uh, with us and who has basic needs and um, uh, who knows where it'll go from there. Indeed. And so this this idea is that the AI could have its own goals. I think... Uh, <laughs> I think that it's really going to be something to see this. I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetimes, either one of us. I think that maybe my children or my children's children might see this. Because um, like I said, I think there might be a plateau there somewhere. I don't know if, if government or policies will get involved, but I kind of feel like the last two are borderline iRobot or Matrix or... You know, there's that connotation that technology is going to end us all. And I feel like a lot of people are scared of that. A lot of people are moving into this headspace that uh, we should reject what's happening with AI. Personally, I don't feel that way. I think there's more good in this than bad. Um, I'm kind of excited for this. I just hope that it goes in a pace that is productive instead of reductive. Because I could see some military implications for this or possible terrorist implications or even possibly security issues with how this is going you know if you're telling me that robots can open doors and build each other and otherwise you know that's more than transformers it's it's real world at that point so uh, i hope that they can find a way for the two to really work together and benefit each other I hope so too. And so those are the four. That is the basic framework. Who knows where we really are, but we definitely have reactive AI and limited memory AI. Whether or not we have anything that's really approaching theory of mind or self-aware, I think that we really don't. 
I think that essentially what we have right now are computer algorithms. They want to call it artificial intelligence. It's really just programming. It's just programming where the AI can recognize patterns and make predictions based on those patterns. So I think we're all good for the moment, at least. So we're here to share joy and good news and also information. And so we have to keep our wits about us with all of these things and really appreciate the good that can be done with it. And then also examine it for ways that we can make sure that it is being used for good. And 100%. I think um, us highlighting in our last episode, the fact that it's being used for um, cancer research, it's being used to further medical devices and medical technology, as well as just climate change and saving the bee project. Like all of these things are very comprehensively aiding society and humanity. And I think if we can continue that trend and people can actually put some empathy into what they're using technology for and continue that. Uh, this has some great implications for, for things like, uh, I could even see the last one, the state of mind being used in like nursing facilities, nursing home facilities. I feel like that would be a great one. You know, uh, I think my generation and maybe my parents' generation have some of the highest numbers that are going to need um, elder care. And I could definitely see this being something used for aiding nursing staff in taking care of elderly individuals or providing the necessities in a hospital setting where things like, you know, we don't know when the next COVID is going to happen, but, you know, putting our frontline workers at risk is, is really something that I think was highlighted at that point. So um, radiation poisoning, all of these things that could happen with nuclear reactors, um, sending robots or artificial intelligence in to do those jobs. We're just protecting ourselves um, further from, from harm. So uh, definitely I think there's some good implications and applications of it. I'm interested to hear what our audience thinks, because I know this goes kind of both ways on the spectrum. If you guys have some ideas about how you think it's going to be used, if you have ideas about where the future of AI is going, please let us know. We're, we're very interested to hear. Absolutely. I'm going to uh, leave it with that and we'll just uh, let our listeners kind of think about those things, the four basic types as described in this particular framework. We'll introduce other terms and kind of dive a little bit deeper into this, I'm sure, okay. at some point in the podcast. And so 100%. it's been great being here on a Friday. Yes, it has. I hope everyone has a wonderful Friday, TGI Friday. Woo! way and i hope if you're you know listening to us on your commute in or if you're listening to us on your commute back home or wherever you might be um we have given you something interesting to think about on your friday and kind of chilled you out before you have to get work done or before you have to this. head home so uh, very appreciative of all our listeners and can't wait to be with you next time thanks so much thanks everyone bye bye All right, guys, that is going to be it for tonight or today or this afternoon. We are so thankful that you have spent your time with us listening to us talk about AI and the supply chain. And so we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. See you soon, guys. Thanks so much. Peace. Bye.